Welcome to the Couples Healing Podcast, where you'll get the tools for him to overcome his addiction, for her to find healing from the pain that it causes her, and for you to heal your relationship and come back together. I hope that you enjoy and subscribe. Hey everyone, I'm excited to have you guys back for another episode today. I've been getting some text messages and some emails from people who are listening and I really appreciate the feedback. It sounds like these episodes are helpful. My goal ultimately with the podcast, I've been doing it for about a year now, which has been awesome. I've enjoyed it and getting feedback from people just to make sure that there's more resources out there to help individuals and couples who are struggling. And so if this has been helpful for you, I would super appreciate it if you wouldn't mind just pushing pause leaving me a quick review and a rating on iTunes. That will go a long way to helping other people find the podcast as well. So thank you again for your support. It's been a pleasure to be able to make these episodes, and I hope that they truly are helping everybody who's listening. And I'm excited to continue on to share more and more tools and knowledge to hopefully help. So I want to share with you guys something today that I hope will help the husbands who are struggling and also the wives uh, who are looking for more understanding about how this process of healing can happen. So I want to share with you guys a quick story that I think is going to be very relevant to your situation in terms of overcoming addiction. I was at a conference one time and the speaker on stage, he was talking about some business thing. He said that he was in some big trouble with a partner uh, financially and he had to come up with $5 million in the next four months. And so he could not figure out how to solve the problem for weeks and weeks and weeks. He would just be sitting there thinking like, how do I figure this out? And he it dawned on him that he couldn't figure, he couldn't solve the problem through incremental solutions. Like he couldn't just do more of what he did. So let's say, I don't know how much money he was making at the company for a while. Let's just say he was making a hundred thousand a month. He couldn't, he couldn't then make 120,000 the next month and then 150,000 the next month. He said, you could not cross the $5 million mark within four months by doing the same thing that he had been doing, just incrementally better. So he said that it required a completely different change in his thinking. So as he was stewing on this for weeks, he locked himself in a room, he said, and then after like two or three days, the light bulb went off and he figured out how to solve the problem. And it did require him to think completely different. He had to 10X his company in four months. And just by thinking through things in those terms, your brain starts to think of different solutions. Instead of like, how do I do this a little bit better? It's how do I do this completely differently in order for me to get a different result that is 10x what I have been getting. I thought about this and I think this very much applies to people healing from addiction and their relationships. So as I work with men and couples, as I work with people who are struggling, my goal is to help them get into a completely different place in just 90 days. So in just 12 weeks, I want to make sure that people can overcome their addiction and to find freedom truly and never return to it again. And I think in thinking in terms of things like I'd mentioned with like these constraints, okay, if somebody has four months to make five million, you have to think on a huge level. And the same thing is true when overcoming addiction. I think the traditional way, I've mentioned this in prior episodes If you talk to any expert who's in the space who is trained in the traditional model, they will tell you it takes three to five years to overcome addiction. And they're using a model that is very outdated. The 12-step model was developed back in 1935. There's been so many more advances and ways to help people heal. 
but people kind of get stuck in this mentality of like, well, this is just what we do. You have to do this process and it looks specifically like this and you have to do it in this way and it takes this long. But as I've thought through this idea of like, okay, if I'm going to put a constraint on this, if, if I only had, for whatever reason, like if I only had six sessions to work with somebody or 12 sessions to work with somebody or two sessions to work with somebody, what would I have to do in two sessions to make as big of an impact as possible? And so I've kind of created this process where now just I've condensed all the best of what I know into 12 weeks. And the results that people are getting is it's, it's so exciting for me as a therapist to not only see people's lives change, but to know that there's a faster and more effective way to do it. I, I love feeling like the process works because my goal is to help people. And so if, I, if it takes three years to help somebody, it would, it would of course still be worth it because somebody's marriage is, is one of the most important things in their life usually. So if it took that long, like it's absolutely worth it. But as I have tried to think about things in these terms, in terms of like putting constraints, if I had 90 days to work with somebody, what would I do? And so as I've been doing this process, uh, again, I was trained in the traditional way. And after a, a, a couple of years of doing that, I'm thinking like, this is just taking too long. So what do we need to do differently? And thinking through different, thinking through through the situation, through, like I said, constraints, it helps you to get laser focused on the things that move the needle the most. And so this is this is what I've been doing now for the last four or five years, four years probably, where I've got this process where we spend 90 days, we have we have 12 weeks, and we do the very, so that's again, as I'm thinking like, okay, what do I have to do as I started doing this process? We have to be hitting home runs every single week. And that's possible, again, with a specific blueprint. And so today, I want to share with you guys the blueprint of what this looks like in order to be able to heal in 90 days. Now, sometimes it takes people a little bit longer, which is fine, but most of the people that I work with after 90 days are in a completely different place. And so again, if you are listening and you've been thinking about, and if you've been doing your process of healing and doing recovery work for a long time, and you've been doing it in more of a traditional route, I can understand some skepticism. So that's why I wanted to kind of break down and share some examples of people that I've worked with and break down exactly what we focus on. The reason why I think it takes so long in the traditional way is because I shared a few episodes back. I th- this is the best analogy that I have so far. And I always am thinking of these like weird images and pictures in my mind and analogies, but this one of the dominoes where imagine you have 10, just to briefly re, uh, remind people or for those who have not heard this, if you have 10 dominoes and the first one falls, the second one knocks down, third one and so forth until you get to the 10th one. So if you're the person who's standing behind the 10th domino, which I I guess in this analogy is uh, a relapse, if you're doing everything you can to prevent a relapse, then you're going to be fighting this battle for a long, long time. So the approach that I use now and have been over the last handful of years is we focus on what's the trigger, what's the first domino. Because if we can change how that domino falls and restructure it so it doesn't knock down any other ones, or even so like or even make it so it doesn't fall down at all anymore, then you don't have to exert such energy and force and pressure to try to not slip. So I think most of the 
traditional ways of people trying to overcome addiction, it's focused very much on relapse prevention and how do you not slip and, and finding better ways to keep you away from the edge instead of making it so there is this internal shift so there's no, there's no pull anymore to even go to the edge. There's no temptation that's so overwhelming that you can't fight against it. Instead of battling, we want to just take you off the battlefield so it's not an issue for you anymore. And so the how, this is what we focus on the 90 days. And so the framework that I have in my mind when I work with somebody is that addiction or somebody's compulsive habit or behavior or pattern, this unwanted pattern, stems, uh, it exists rather on three levels. The very core level, which most people miss, is the level of beliefs. The one above that is emotion. The one above that is behaviors. And so I want to break down these three levels and give you some suggestions and ways to address this. So at the core level, the thing that is most often overlooked are the beliefs that we have about ourselves. <clears throat> and so when somebody is struggling with addiction, usually they're also struggling with some negative beliefs about themselves, whether they feel like they're unworthy or they're not enough, they're inadequate, they're a failure, they don't deserve love, they're... they're you know, some distorted negative belief that causes the most amount of pain. And so one of the things that I think is relevant is, again, in the more traditional way of doing things, which is fine. Again, some people find success in that, and that's great. I want to share with you an alternative for people who have been struggling for a long time and haven't been able to find success. So when I, when I was originally trained, they said that you have to do trauma work at like year three, Year two, year three, it's like the last thing that you address is what they would say. And their rationale for that was that if you work on the trauma, you are likely to trigger another relapse because of the pain of the trauma. And I thought, you know, when I was learning, I was like, okay, that makes sense. You put other things in place and you get kind of relapse prevention tools and you have all that stuff in place. But now that I've seen different ways of doing this and I've, uh, I've, worked with so many different people, I've found to me what is the fastest way of addressing this, which is we want to, instead of starting with the trauma on week, on year number three, it's like, how do we start with, like, we should start with the trauma on like week number three, week three, session three, not year three. And when I learned about originally just kind of talking through people's like approach to working with trauma, one thing became clear for me is that trauma is trauma because of the beliefs that result from the event. So let me explain that. The event in and of itself isn't trauma. It's how the person interprets the event and how they're impacted by it. You could have two people go through the same thing and one person be traumatized and have a whole lot of anxiety or depression or some other negative consequence of the event, whereas the other person was able to just absorb it and go through a really crappy experience, but then move forward uh, feeling okay. The thing that, if I were to distill the reason, like the target that we're shooting for is the effect that the event had. This is how you can really speed up the process. Instead of talking through all the details and what happened and kind of uh, just spending your time talking about it. If we can figure out exactly what was the result 
emotionally of the event of the trauma and resolve that feeling or belief that's when people can really heal quickly so as i was working with this in this this particular individual on session number one we started talking about his triggers and what led to that and for him he said one of the biggest triggers was stress and so whenever i hear somebody say stress triggers me i always know there's something underneath that because stress is such a high level word that's very unclear ambiguous so we want to get super clear about what exactly that means for that person so he described how at work he would feel this stress and then when he felt stress that would be his trigger to turn to pornography and so as i asked him about the stress i tried to again looking through these three categories this lens of beliefs emotions behaviors i asked him okay when you feel the stress like what what's your self-talk what's happening on the inside for you and what's give me like a scenario so i can better understand this he says well if i have this deadline at work or uh, if my boss comes down on me and they're very very you know the way that they treat me is very negative i feel stress and i say okay go a little further with that like what's what's how do you see yourself because that's where i'm looking for the beliefs he says i see myself as completely inadequate and i feel like a failure <clears throat> so on session number 1 we spend our time re processing how he internalizes that event and as we work through things and help him shift out of feeling like he's a failure and out of seeing that as him not being enough and change that on the deeper level a, a shift and a change takes place and it took place inside of him so that he was able to release that belief of feeling like he wasn't enough and see himself in a different light so that when he went back to work and his boss was being a jerk or a deadline was coming up or he made a mistake at work it was no longer about him he could just see it for what it was instead of him being not enough which triggered a relapse he would just say you know okay my boss is being a total jerk right now or i dropped the ball and i didn't get the deadline done and he focused instead of focusing on himself as a failure he simply focused on the behavior and said okay i made a mistake so how do i address this how do i make sure i just do this differently next time so i don't find myself in the same situation it's not who i am it's how i approached the situation so how do i update that and become sharper and more effective so i can meet the deadlines that are coming up next just by changing the beliefs and changing how he saw himself instantly there was a shift so next week we come back so this is what i'm focusing on in, the, in usually like in the first first four weeks i'm i'm targeting what these beliefs are and finding out what other layers and what other beliefs are there so for this particular individual next week he's like i feel different <clears throat> i still felt triggered and tempted but it wasn't because i felt like i was inadequate it was something different and i said okay that's great we just cleared out that layer what else are you noticing so we spend the following weeks going through okay if there's a trigger that's fine that's good for us as feedback so we just simply put that back into place and then i'm exploring okay are there any other beliefs are there any other things on that core level that need to be addressed and when they're not and they're still feeling triggered then we go to the next level emotion and he said for me as he described after having changed that belief about himself the next part of it was uh, there was some emotions to it uh, maybe i'll use a different example for that for sometimes after people clear up their negative beliefs they still of course feel lonely when they get into a fight with their wife they feel disconnected they feel sad and 
<clears throat> after you clear up the beliefs, the next thing that can kind of nudge people towards a numbing behavior are unprocessed emotions. So then instead of processing through things, or instead of numbing them out and turning to an unhealthy coping mechanism, the goal is to help them do, develop a new strategy to deal with their emotions. And there's a handful of things that you can do. One of my favorite things, one of the most helpful things that somebody can do is turn to somebody else and share with them what's going on. And preferably that person is, that's, that's his wife. Because for so long, she's used to not having him share on a vulnerable level. She's used to not connecting with him on a deep level because instead of him taking his pain and his worries, his anxiety, his fears, his longings, instead of him taking those things to her, he got used to taking those things to some external behavior or person to distract himself from how he felt. Some people go and like message somebody else or they're, you know, scrolling websites or looking at Instagram or, you know, some other like, unhealthy coping mechanism. <clears throat> it's so important that he learns how to take all of what he feels, share that with his wife, so they can start to not only develop a stronger relationship because she starts to feel let in, but now he's able to process how he feels in a different way. So that's one of the ways to do that is your, it's my favorite way. I help to facilitate and give people tools to know how to stop their negative cycles of communication to ultimately change that pattern. So he feels like he knows how to open up and share with his wife so he can process how he feels in a healthy way. So that's one of the ways. Another way is journaling. Journaling can be a very effective way for people to get out what they feel in a way that's healthy and help them process things differently. So after people have those skills, after a handful of weeks, we're working through the beliefs. We're helping them identify and slow down their emotions so they're not just reacting, but they can just acknowledge them and process them differently. Another skill that I recommend, another tool that I'll, I'll often work with people on is, is that of being mindful. Mindfulness is nothing more than being aware of what's going on internally and just being able to observe it. I've talked a little bit about it in other podcasts, so I won't go into too much depth here, but for somebody to develop, to develop the awareness, to just be present with what they're feeling and not react and not get caught down the rabbit hole of thinking all these thoughts because the more thoughts we think, the more negative thoughts we think, the, the more negatively we're gonna feel. But instead of me following all these negative thoughts, if I just take a step back and look at and observe and just kind of sit with how I feel, <clears throat> my mind won't amplify the pain that I'm in, the opposite happens. As I take a step back and just kind of look at it. So for example, what that might look like would be, let's say uh, I get into a fight with, uh, if I'm working with a client, he gets into a fight with, a fight with his wife, I'll have him just kind of, okay, in those moments, what do you notice? And he's like, well, I, you know, my chest is heavy. I feel this like pit in my stomach, just this heaviness of sadness, knowing that we're not in a good place. I hate how it feels. I care about her, but we can't figure out how to communicate. It just feels awful. And I have him just become aware of what's going on in the moment without him amplifying it with these stories of, and she hates me. Um, we're going to get a divorce because she doesn't like me. I'll never measure up. All those negative thought patterns just make the feelings worse. But if you can just take a step back and observe, this is just the sensation that I notice in my body. And you're kind of just kind of, you're just aware of it. 
as you are aware of something without following the thoughts, the feeling starts to diminish. And then you can more easily respond and say, well, what do I want to do? How do I want to respond to this? If I'm feeling sad and disconnected, how can I approach my wife in a way that we can repair and get back on track? So just to summarize that, it's being able to share with your spouse or a friend or somebody that you trust how you feel, journaling, and mindfulness are some key things that when, when people do, they're very quickly able to shift out of these negative emotions and recenter so they're not continually tempted to turn back to the addiction. The last category, we, again, we have beliefs, emotions, behaviors. So within this 90-day stretch, we're focusing on all these things. And if we're hitting home runs each session, it doesn't have to take you three years because we can target very laser-focused exactly where the kinks are. Again, I think about like a hose. If you've got a kink in the hose, you don't have to spend you know, 12 months trying to push more water into it. All you need to do is figure out where is this kink and let's unkink it. And then the water is able to move forward, right? So the last category is behaviors. We do want to find different coping mechanisms. And sometimes I'll work with people who have been doing uh, healing work for many years. And as I share with them this model of, okay, like you're doing a great job. You have really, really good things in place. Now let's just add the next couple of layers to it. Because if somebody has been struggling for more than a year, definitely more than a year, then they're simply, I would even say less time. If somebody's struggling for like, if you've been working on things and if in a handful of like six months, it's still a struggle, that simply means there's some some layer underneath where you're focusing is not being addressed. Usually, again, this is where the more traditional routes uh, take you. A lot of it is focused on behaviors. It's behavioral change. It's putting a filter in place. And filters can be helpful to kind of protect you from going onto a website that you shouldn't be going onto. That doesn't address the emotions underneath it, though. It doesn't address the triggers. Can they be helpful to have in place for the reason of not slipping? Sure. For those who want to find freedom from how they feel and not be triggered in that way, we have to then go a layer beneath that. Again, which we've talked about is emotions and beliefs. On the behavioral level, it is very, very important that we have new coping mechanisms. And again, this is where most of the time people spend their time. They have a plan. And I think having a plan is great. I was working with a client uh, not too long ago and he came in and said, like, I've got this plan of recovery and I, and, and I didn't want him to get a negative message from the kind of uh, view I have on this. I said, your plan is great. Let's use all of the good things that you've already done and build on that so you can keep making progress. Let's just add a couple of these little elements here that are not being addressed because if you're still slipping, there's other, it's, it's feedback we need to go deeper. So once we've addressed the beliefs and have new ways of coping with our emotions, we absolutely do want new behaviors. And so this might involve healthy outlets for you to deal with just day-to-day life. We need coping mechanisms for just functioning on a healthy, like fulfilled level. Some people, they like to exercise and de-stress that way. Other people like to um, take baths and kind of relax that way. Other people like to uh, listen to music. Some people like to play with their kids or have fun with their spouse or, I don't know, there's like, there's so many different ways for people to just have healthy ways of managing life. 
And so I think this is absolutely another part of what we want to do because ultimately our goal isn't just like not struggling with addiction. The goal is to be happy and live a fulfilled, productive, and purposeful life. And so when people come to me and they're like, hey, I've been working on this for a long time and I have a plan, I say, great, that's awesome. The suggestion that I have for you is that you take that plan and instead of wrapping that plan around recovery and not slipping, let's wrap all these behaviors around but point you towards the future of what outcome do you want? If you're if you're journaling, if you're exercising, if you're going to bed at a good time, if you're med- if you're being mindful and meditating, if you're doing these things, spirituality is another important piece for a lot of people. If you're doing all of these things so you don't slip, your focus, you're looking backwards. So all we want to do is just rewrap the, it, we're rerouting how you see it, refocusing it on the future of what do you want to be, where do you want to be instead? Instead of saying, I don't want to slip, what would you like to be doing? What's the benefit of doing these exercises? What's the benefit of the result that you want? What kind of person do you want to be? And when you think about it in those terms and somebody says, well, I want to be happy. I want to be productive. I want to be a loving husband and father. I want to be active in my church. I want to be doing all these things. And that's the reason why I'm doing this. This is my plan. My plan gets me to that outcome, not away from the negative outcome of slipping. So that's where I say, like, if people have been doing this for a long time, let's keep building on what you're doing, which is great. Let's take all the good things and add these other layers on top of it. And again, such an important aspect of it, shift your focus away from addiction towards where you want to go. And inevitably, you're going to move away from addiction. If, I, if I'm if i like close to the edge, going back to this analogy, if I'm close to the edge and I'm falling, if I put up a fence there, okay, that's good. That can help me not fall. But if I want to go in the opposite direction because the beach is on the other side of the, you know, on the other side of the field, let's say, instead of me worrying about not going back down this rabbit hole or falling off the cliff, it's like, no, I want to actively move towards this beach or, you know, again, this is maybe a weird analogy. I'm just thinking off the top of my head, but it's like, I want to go towards this good thing. The closer you get to the good thing, the further by nature of what you're doing, it takes you away from the negative thing. And so, Again, I hope that this brings hope to people who have been struggling for a long time. It's absolutely possible to find freedom instead of just gritting through and not slipping and this always being in the back of your mind. Once people address, if, if you're struggling right now and you're triggered and you're just resisting and you're trying to talk yourself out of slipping, just know that there's likely another layer underneath what you've been focusing on that just needs attention. And so once you address that layer, process emotions differently, start to separate out and clear up these beliefs, that's when people find freedom. And again, as I work with people, my focus is how do we hit a home run every single session and actively move the needle Instead of coming in and you tell me about, you know, the struggle of the week and this is the thing that was hard and I say, man, that sounds really hard and I validate. There's a place for validation, but then there's also a place of like, let's now let's get you moving out of this place. Let's change this belief. It sucks to feel like you're not worthy. Now let's start to change that. So there's a place for all these tools and strategies, but as I've sequenced them, sequenced them in this way, I've seen res- like there's phenomenal results. And so I love working with people who truly want to change. 
And anybody who calls me, of course, does because nobody, nobody listens to this podcast if you don't want to change. You might say, well, a part of me wants to change, but another part of me isn't quite sure. I just hear that as an internal block that's getting in the way, whether that's a fear. What it, usually it's a fear. It's like, well, I've tried everything. So like, I don't know if I can do this. And so that's kind of this thing that keeps them stuck. So whatever the thing is that's keeping you stuck, please know that there's hope. And using this framework can help you take the next step depending on wherever you are in the process. And so for those of you who might want some extra help, I'd love to help in any way that I can. Uh, I like to just hop on calls with people and learn more about their situation and see if it's something I can help with. And if I can, then we can absolutely get to work and get you, just get you out of this place of feeling stuck so you can truly find that freedom. And so I, I hope that this is helpful. I would encourage you to think about your situation and where you are in this process and on what level have you been focusing. If it's been on behaviors, then I would encourage you to start to consider the deeper ones of emotion and beliefs. And once you do that, that's the thing that's going to help you break free from this without having to spend three to five years doing it because you're addressing every level instead of just finding yourself spending 90% of your energy on the behavioral level. So I hope this helps. I really do wish all of you the best. And again, if this has been helpful, um, you know, I, it's, it's, it's great to hear feedback. And so for those of you who do leave feedback in the form of a rating and a review, it's again, tremendously helpful for other people to find the podcast and uh, it's encouraging to hear this and it just, I'm excited to keep uh, offering episodes, especially if I know that they're helping. So thank you again for your support. I'm super excited to keep um, sharing with you some tools and I hope this has been helpful today. I look forward to speaking to you again next week. All right, thanks a lot. Take care. Wait, before you go, I'm offering free access for my podcast listeners to a course I created. So make sure you go to coupleshealing.org so you can get some tools to start the healing process individually and in your relationship. Or if you want even more support and you'd like to work with me directly, you can contact me with the info that's on that website as well. I'm excited for you to make progress on your journey.